Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. Kavod Family exists for the restoration of families and the transformation of communities. Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. This is your host, Travis Shook, and we've got Casey Wilson and Big Jeff. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you guys doing? Great, man. How's the, how's the day been, guys? Hey, happy Father's Day. Just closed, right? Yes. I mean, yesterday that, we're that recording this Monday, and uh, Father's Day was yesterday, so it was it was a wonderful day. Uh, we had a great time as a family. We got to get out and play on some water, kayak around and swim. We went down to the Lake Raven with the mm. kids, nice, and uh, threw them on the on off the dock and played. And there, there was a point where, quick story. There was a point where. I look over and there's this small, maybe 10 by 10 dock, right? And it's just filled with kids and they're jumping off and playing. And then we had our kayaks, so we were kayaking around. And I'm looking and I only have one child on the dock. And uh, so you've you got 19 in the water. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. Uh, no, we've got one child on the dock and it's one of our boys. And. There was only like teenage girls and younger on the dock, and he's up there. He's flexing. He's showing his karate moves. He's doing backflips. <laughs> I can take into a guess water. who this is. <laughs> yes. Oh man, <laughs> I was dying laughing from the distance. But anyway, it Got was a, a good time. Well done. That's awesome. That's awesome. I took the latter of that weekend. It was either play or be lazy, and I was so lazy. Were you? Saturday, I had like, I was coaching class, and I looked at my watch, and my heart rate was over 100 just Ooh. standing coaching. I was like, oh no. I started getting body aches. So, Saturday afternoon, I had a fever and literally took a nap like all day. And my kids were like, oh, Dad, I wanted to play. <laughs> And I was like, I'm I'm dead, guys. And then Sunday, we were all like, lay on the couch all day and do nothing. And we just watched movies all day Sunday. Nice. Nice. Well, Jeff, I know I told you this in person, but I just want to air it out on the <clears throat> air it out to others too, because you're in a position now where you just got married. You don't have your own children uh, yet. Uh, it won't be long. Poor Emily. What are you guys going for? Eight, nine, 10, something like that. Anyways. Ah, 11. Football team. <laughs> But there's a point in the man's life to where, as a Christian especially, where he's made a choice to pour in and start discipling others, and he's become a sense of a spiritual father to other people, right? I mean, oh, yeah. we were, we were come on, just wrapping up your weekend, you are in a place now where you're boxing, but you just did a wedding over the weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. You, did you have a Bible study on Saturday, or did that get canceled this weekend? Well, the Bible study got canceled this Saturday uh, because of the wedding. So we had a nice little chill, relaxed you know, weekend. Um, Friday was real low-key, went to the wedding rehearsal. Uh, like you said, Saturday I officiated my first uh, big wedding, which was pretty cool. Um, one of the young men that I, I boxed with for years uh, taught him some boxing, uh, used to live beside him and his mom, and just I, I just really loved this kid. Uh, really could relate to him with life and some of the things that he's been going through. Um, and he asked me to do his wedding, um, and I got you know ordained so I could do the wedding for him. So it <laughs> what was, was a- your initial reaction? <laughs> Never had done one. What Ooh. you weren't ordained yet, and you're no. like, oh yeah, sure, <laughs> I'll get right on that. <laughs> um, I think the first the first thought that popped into my head was, oh my goodness, he wants me to officiate his wedding. And then immediately I looked up and I said, God, is this what you want me to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> good you, response. You know, like, are you, are you, are you saying that I, I should be doing this? You know? Um, so I reached out to a local friend who's a pastor and talked to him about it a little bit. Um, and he was like, yo, dude, you're ready. Make it happen. 
Um, so he, he let me know how to go through the process and, uh, yeah, got ordained and started actually doing some, um, premarital counseling with them, um, to make sure, you know, they, Hey, they knew what they were getting themselves into, you know, not just taking this lightly and understanding God's viewpoint of marriage and what they're stepping into. Which is such a a good step. Yeah. I, I didn't come from a Christian background. And so when we got married, we we also did premarital counseling. Yeah. But some of the world around me was just like, you guys are already in counseling? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> we, funny. We're trying to get the shoes to fit now so that way we can walk this out. Exactly. Exactly. And, and man, I love – so at the wedding, one of the things that they did, which I just thought was amazing, they had this giant Bible – a uh, very tiny script, so it was hard to read. But they asked everyone there at the wedding to go through and highlight one of oh, their favorite verses, cool. and they give them some advice. And my wife and I specifically highlighted Ephesians in the the first part where it says, "Submit to one another in love and in Christ." Yeah. And that's a big one because you're going to have arguments, you're going to have disagreements, you're going to have your way of thinking, and and bring all of that into your marriage. And what you have to do is you have to submit in love first to Christ to recognize I could be very wrong on this subject, you know, and what it does is it makes you fact check yourself. It makes you look in the mirror, not, oh, well, my wife's wrong and she's supposed to do this the way I say because I'm the man and yada, yada, yada. (laughs) You know, it, it makes you go, you know what, maybe just maybe I'm being a little bit bullheaded right now. <laughs> maybe I'm not seeing things the way God is telling me to. Maybe there's something she's needing and I'm not, I'm missing it, you know? All right. So I want to rewind time and zoom out. We know you're boxing coach. Now you coach for a living, personal train. And we have mentioned in your like intro. And when we first did the board members forever ago, kind of like where you were before, but can you, can you rewind time, Jeff, and tell us like where you were before working at a gym and being a full-time father to the fatherless, what were you doing and what kind of sparked that shift? Oh man. So let's rewind about, let's just say seven years, uh, working for the government. Um, I was working for a government organization that did conservation work on farmlands, um, and it was a pretty cool organization. I, I enjoyed going out into the field. I grew up with an ag background. Um, my grandfather had hogs, had cattle, um, grew up in that my entire life. So that, <laughs> That's right. You're, you're the, the piggy bank with the bacon story. I, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Okay. That's me. That's, that's me. episode number eight if you want to go back and listen to Jeff and his piggy bank. And, uh, Dude, that's how you get bacon, okay? Bacon story. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, I moved to Franklin. And – you know, a lot of people say that there's something special about this place. And, I, you know, hey, maybe everybody listening needs to come visit Franklin. Don't all live here. It's way too many people. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but I moved to Franklin. Uh, I met Travis and through a, a mutual friend. And he said, man, if you could do anything you wanted to do with your life, like, what would you do? And nobody had ever asked me that question before. You know, nobody had ever presented something like that to me before. And I said, man, I'd work out. I'd talk to people about Jesus. I'd eat good food and just enjoy life. You know, what's funny is Danny asked me that probably eight years before I asked you that. And my exact response is exactly what you said. And that's why when you said it, I was like, I'm on your Nephilim. Like, of I, course you would want to work out and eat food all day. But this listen, is ridiculous. So listen, both of these men are 240 plus six plus. So like, this is, this is ridiculous. When you said that answer, I yeah. remember it was at Paul Garner's house and yeah. I was like, genetically huge men, whatever. Okay. I said, 
He's coming to the gym. I told Lid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, and he was tugging on me hard, man. Um, I, so many things happen, you know, I can't, I wish I could pinpoint one specific thing. Um, the moving around kind of started getting a little bit tired when it came to the government. Um, like I said, I enjoyed it. I traveled. I worked in four states. I've met some very amazing people that I still have relationships with today. Uh, one of my spiritual fathers just talked to him yesterday, wished him a happy Father's Day. He's got two amazing boys that he sends me pictures of all the time. They're hunting. They're That's fishing. Cool. He's That's like, yo, awesome. when you coming down to the bayou to visit? And I was like, dude, I got to get down there. So you would essentially, so you said ag and with, with the government. So mm-hmm. you would help people run their farms better, their land, crops. Like what, what exactly were you doing? <laughs> Honestly, I was coaching them. I was fathering them then before I even know it on how to properly implement conservation practices. Um, So you put a conservation practice in, which teaches you how to conserve one particular resource, which, you know, the main one is soil. Um, Then we have water, we have air, we have animal. um, And it solves all of these water quality issues, the soil quality issues, so that your land can be more sustainable. You know, at the end of the day, God created the earth and it's made to heal and do its own thing. We as men have come in with machinery and we've messed things up, you know, and I can, I can go down a rabbit trail with some of the things that I've learned as far as, <laughs> you know, haying your grass versus letting cows eat the grass. It, it drives me nuts when I see people haying their grass, you know? <laughs> um, I just hate my lawn. I put seed down and put hay down. That's what they told me to do. So that way the grass would grow. Wasn't oh, that's it? a lawn. That's not a pasture. So I'll let you slide. Have you seen my house? Do you know the kids outside? It is a pasture. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, So I would say, I would say there was the stirring in my heart for more, honestly, just wanting to do more of what God called me to do. Um, And not saying I wasn't doing that because I feel like he can use you in any realm to reach people. But I used to tell my powerlifting coach, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just too big to just be sitting behind a desk and just doing, you know, just, I'm supposed to reach people. I'm supposed to do something with this body. And he said, he used to tell me all the time, you are, you're supposed to draw people to God and sitting behind a desk in an office was not the way to do that. Um, some things happened. I, I met another coach, my late, my late boxing coach, Reggie, I started boxing. And even then thinking back on some of the conversations we had, I didn't realize what he was doing that God was pouring into him to mold me. Um, so like Travis said, I'm a boxing coach now. And one of the things Reggie used to tell me all the time is, all right, now, Jeffrey, you can't hit them too hard because if you do, they won't come back to practice. And I'm like, well, what is he talking about? You know, <laughs> he's going to be here. He'll be able to regulate this stuff. Well, like I said, he, he uh, unfortunately, he passed away in a motorcycle accident. Um, his wife was looking to shut all of this down. And this is something that has been a part of the community for a long time, to my understanding, um, probably since he was maybe early twenties. And it was something that gave me so much confidence in who God called me to be. I was like, I can't, I can't let this get shut down. Like I have to, I, Franklin's home, you know? So I really went home and I prayed on it. Um, and God was like, this is home, you know, buy a house. So I bought a house and, uh, he just kind of hit me with it where she was like, Hey, you want to go to lunch one day? And I said, yeah, let's go to lunch. Let's go down, sit down and eat. And she's talking to me and she says, well, I'm going to shut boxing down, but I need to ask you something. And 
you know, people can say whatever they want to say. And I haven't told many people this, but I guess everybody's going to know now. Well, before she had this conversation with me, her husband had already passed. My grandfather had already passed and he was kind of a spiritual father to me as well. And I had a dream probably about a week before her and I spoke that my grandfather was arguing with this man who just needed help in his life. And he was about to fight this guy. And I looked at the guy and I said, hey, come to my boxing gym. Like, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you about life. Like, let me tell you about Jesus. And in the dream, my grandfather and Reggie met each other. They spoke to each other and they said, finally, he sees what he's supposed to be doing. And before the words came out of her mouth to ask me about taking ownership and doing the boxes, I said, you don't even have to ask me. I know what you're about to ask me. I'll do it. And she said, well, you don't know. I said, yeah, you're about to ask me to run boxing. And I said, I'm supposed to do this. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm a coach. Like, I'm supposed to be coaching. I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. Um, And that was the biggest clarity moment and a surety that I've ever had about something that I knew I was supposed to do in my life other than marry my wife. So, so, <laughs> so then walking into that, <clears throat> after you chose that, everything was just sunshine and rainbows, easy work days. You made the money you needed and everything, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> that is not how it works. Uh, I wish that was how it works, but honestly, I don't think if it worked that way, it would build the character and turn you into the person that God calls you to be. So Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Mm. So to so to see that and, and to have been where you were, I, I understand that feeling of <clears throat> feeling God calling you into that and stepping into it and knowing that it is right and knowing that it is your calling and you're doing it with him. But even though in the, the day-to-day application, it doesn't feel like it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because see, <laughs> and funny you say that because, you know, you uh, you check on me a lot, you know, and I appreciate that. And you'll tell me, man, you're crushing it, Jeff. You're crushing it. And sometimes after the conversations, I'll be like, man, I just want to tell him I feel like I'm getting crushed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a big man and this is a lot of weight. But it's good um, because it's refining and it's a refining process. Um in the process of doing this, like you said, you know, being an entrepreneur, there are things that I've had to learn about social media. There's frustrations that I've had to work through. And I had to sit back and realize I'm supposed to have these frustrations to get to where I'm supposed to be. Um, like I said, in the midst of all of this, I've gotten married. And one of the things it's taught me is no matter how frustrated I am about the way things are going business wise, I still need to show up as a husband and a loving husband, and a God-loving husband. And uh, that makes a huge difference in the responses you get from your wife, you know? You can be going through a hellish moment, but you don't treat her that way. And and she doesn't deserve that. And you have to learn that. And I had to learn that. And it's been good to see that that character refinement, you know? So what's cool to see is, like, in this process of you stepping out and listening to the Father and, and chasing what he's called you to do, He's fathered you, and now even while you're in the midst of it, and in some in some ways you could feel like you're the blind leading the blind, like uh-huh. you, you're figuring out as you go. But he's such a good father that he sees what he's put inside of you, and he's allowing you to see it. Yeah. And from that, you're doing the same exact thing. Like you're leading guys 
to to become the men that God's called them to be, but in a lot of ways, you're leading them through things that God is currently walking you through. Oh, yeah. Which is so cool because it's not contingent on us. Yeah. It's contingent on just lis- us listening to Him. Yes. Us being the voice that points people to Him. Mm. Yes. Um, you, you also pointed out something a while back about, like, just sitting, sitting in the moments, not being so quick to do and go and, you know, throw a podcast in your ear all the time, granted, Listen to the Kavod Family Podcast. (laughs) It's a great one. Um, But sometimes we as men, we get so caught up in the doing. And I can be very guilty of that. And I can tell you that some of my best answers have come when I've been praying on something, letting it stir around my heart, kind of rolling scripture around in my head, trying to figure out what I should be doing. And then all of a sudden, a person who has no idea what's going on in my head comes and sits beside me, talks about the same thing I'm thinking about, and affirms the steps that I'm supposed to take. And I'm like, wow, would that have really happened if I was sitting and listening and seeking the Father on this particular matter? And and I want to go out on a limb and say no. You know, he says, if you seek me and draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Yeah. You know? And, and when the orders came, I mean, to have that kind of sweet encounter with the Lord where he preps you through a dream that something's about to change, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest. That's not you creating a story and then putting it in your head. This is God intervening in your life oh, yeah. and beginning to guide you. And then the the test that that's true is that it came to fruition. Yeah. Because there's a lot of dreams that you and I and three of us have had. That, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. All kinds of crazy stuff. Right. I mean, I've been an action, action hero before. Jumped off of a balcony backwards with guns, you know? Yeah. <laughs> The point is when God steps in and he and he does that and then he uh, you know he he steps in somebody sits down with you and puts an offer on the table in front of you that's clearly a, a like confirming this is what yes. God is is leading me into right yes and you know oh man and to just rewind on that you know I would have so many conversations with my boxing coach Reggie and I would ask him I said you know coach I'm working I'm working this government job I'm doing good you know I'm making money. I said, but I still feel like I'm not doing what God's calling me to do. Um, And I listened to a lot of sermons about success. And it just really hit me where I listened to one, and I think it may have been by Tony Evans. He said, you can live your entire life being successful to the world's standard. But if you don't do what God's calling you to do, you'll be a successful failure. And that really struck in me, man. That, That just woke something up. And I'm like, man. God, am I doing what you told me to do? Am I am I being who you told me to be? And I just questioned that. I questioned it. And Reggie used to tell me all the time, you'll know what it is when you're right in the middle of it. Did you have limitations in your previous job that kept you from being able to fully express who you were? were you, I mean, you know, in your walk with the Lord, could you express, as you met people, could you pray with them? Could you talk to them about the Lord? Could you talk to them about spiritual things? Could you disciple your clients? Could you pour into them privately? I mean, was that available for you, or were you at a different place? I think I was at a different place. Um, I think those things could have been done. You know, um, obviously it was government, so you have to be all inclusive with everything, with all people. Um, so you have to kind of gauge things and see where people are standing. You know, we do live in this world now where people, oh, don't impose on me. But I think I was in that place of immaturity of learning. So many different things. So a little both. Yeah, a little bit of both, you know, and I had to come to a place of realizing that my spiritual growth had to had to happen a lot more. Um, COVID did a lot for that. 
you know, being locked in the house <laughs> for two years. You know, I can remember the first few months I'm in here going crazy and I'm like, man, I got nobody to talk to. I got nothing to do. And God's like, you can, you can talk to me. Yeah. You know, you can spend time with me. And I think that was where, that was where my structure came from. Get up early, spend time in the word, uh, seek his kingdom first. You know, what does that look like for me every day? And then try to apply this to the best of my life. I've been in those situations early. Or when I was younger, I ended up working for a business and the owner of the business, it was very small. I mean, it grew, it had a bunch of franchises, mm. but it was private owned, right? And the guy that owned it, he was not the best of men. <laughs> I mean, he ran around with a lot of different women and did a lot of evil things. And as a Christian, there comes a point where you recognize where you're like, man, I am laboring. I'm giving this man, you know, a third of my day, a third of my life, and it's building his empire and it's building his kingdom. Even if I share and I evangelize and I talk and I, and I do the best that I can while I'm underneath his, his umbrella, there's still a point where I have to recognize like there's a part of me that's broken because I'm building this man's empire, which yes. I don't want to grow. Yes. I, in fact, I kind of hate it. You know, and that's kind of tough. Oh, very, very tough. Um, and you, on the other side of it, it was one of those things where I'm out here living this lifestyle. How can I really say that I'm a Christian and know God and I'm being who he called me to be? I'm doing the same thing as everybody else. This is not what, this is not the life he wants for me, you know? So now that the, I guess you could say the honeymoon phase of the the new job, the new career is over, you knew that you were called to it. And that's one thing. And that pushes you through a ton of grit and a ton of the, the hard moments and the, the questioning moments. Why do you still do it? Man, uh, God's love is eternal. And there's some promises that he has attached to that. And the promise is not wealth. <laughs> the promise is not riches. The promise, I would say, that I hold on to the most is peace. I'm doing what he said that I'm supposed to do. That gives me more peace than anything. Sometimes I, awesome. you know, I, I would say there, there are moments of waveringness that happens, but that's what gives me peace. And, and honestly, just being with him, you know, like that, sometimes that's the only thing that gives me peace. Other days I have more peace, you know, you know, wife and I are not arguing. We're having, you know, loving relationship. We're talking about spiritual things. I'm seeing people grow. I'm seeing all these other different types of things. But on those days where nobody shows up to a boxing class and you're sitting in the corner by yourself, you know, I've tried to make it a habit of at least having my Bible or, you know, turning that into a form of prayer time when those things happen. They've happened uh, less less times now than they used to. But it had to have been, you know, just, okay, this, you told me to do this, God. This is where I'm supposed to be. It's like what, <laughs> it's like what we said so many times in the previous podcast, knowing that his presence is the prize. Yes. Not the promised land. Yes. Not the money, not the job. Whatever you attach to that promised land, we can shift that name out a million different times, whether yes. it's to be married, to have kids, to have a house, is his presence yeah. is the prize. Mm. And in you submitting yourself and pursuing him to find out what he's called you to. And in some ways he's like, son, what do you want to do? Mm, because yeah. you, you said, Hey, I would love to work out and talk about Jesus. So yeah. he's like, okay, here we go. But it doesn't mean it's going to be sunshine and rainbows. Like he wants to keep you his focal point on him. Yes. So once you find that it's crazy when you look back, you're like, Oh wow. If I had had all the things that I wanted in the beginning, I would have, I would have ruined it. Oh, I know yeah. that I would have ten tenfold over and as I grow and mature and I look back, I'm like, thank you for you doing it. And just like it says, he made everything beautiful in its time. Yes. 
Yes. Knowing that you don't have to dictate the time, you're not in control of the time he is, and you just sit with him, man, that is nice. Man, that's it, and it's beautiful. And, you know, one of the things that, again, so much growth has happened in this year alone because I'm like, okay, God, you told me to do this. You told me you were going to, like, <laughs> like why why yeah. haven't you just made me this awesome boxing coach and, like, you know, all this other stuff? <laughs> and he was like, because if I do right now, with things that you're struggling with and you're navigating through, you're going to mess up the 20 people following you. And I want their heart and their soul and their spirit just as much as I want yours. And that really hit me. And it, it, it made me see, you know, um, our dad, Danny, he's been on the podcast. He said something the other day, what are you responsible for? Man, that really hit me. You know, I have a responsibility. I have a duty. Um, and it's not just to myself. There are people looking at me. There are people following that, man, I got to make sure I'm, I'm doing well and following as close to God in, in Christ as I possibly can. Because if I am not doing that and they see it and I'm preaching Jesus from the rooftops, they're going to be like, well, this is, this is how Jesus acts, you know, because they may not be mature enough to read their Bibles yet for themselves. You know, they may just you may be the only Bible they're reading that day. So are you exemplifying Christ to the fullest as you possibly can? There's that part of us that thinks just because we became Christian, now we're going to be naturally gifted at whatever <laughs> thing that we're doing, right? That yeah. Just because you're a Christian, now you're this primo plumber or you're this excellent boxing coach. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, right? But, but what's cool is, though, you can be. And I'm not talking about putting in the time in the trade and learning. I'm saying there's been moments where I am useless coaching. Especially in the beginning days. It's like my eighth yeah. class. I've been up since 4 a.m. And I'm like, God, these people are going to come in and they need to be loved on. And I have nothing left to give. Right. G- give me something. And I will have some of my most profound coaching cues, get someone out of pain. They'll learn a new movement because I, in that moment, knew I had nothing and it wasn't my job to have something. It was God. And I'm like, it's on you. So yeah. Give me something. I'm ready. But if you don't, then they're getting whatever's left. Yeah. Yeah. And my simple go-tos, man, one, two, jab, cross, combo. That's every fighter learns those two punches. And on some of those days when I'm dog tired, we are going to hammer the jab, cross, combo. But think of that. <laughs> I mean, that essentially is a parable, though. It's yeah. a parable because you're you're teaching people, hey, whenever life is Whenever life is horrible and you're dead, what do you do? You go to God and you pray. Yeah. Like that is your rhythm. My son, I, I told him in the last podcast, our grandmother's in the nursing home and we're trying to figure out where to get her settled and we're working through logistical details. Mm-hmm. And he thinks it's monumental because he sees the adults and the grandparents who always have answers having questions. So mm-hmm. he's like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal. And he says, well, let's just pray right in the middle of it. And I was like, my boy, all right. I said, pray then. But the ability to one two like if someone in a boxing ring's in trouble what what do they default to jab exactly <laughs> so that the, the ability for you to know that as a coach teach that under stress and under fatigue that is a rhythm but then that also gives you a parallel to teach them that in their spiritual life with yeah. life you know yeah it's huge yeah and and speaking of that i mean you know the basics of like you said reading scripture opening your bible spending time with god that's the basic you know uh one of my clients and I, we coined it. That's your BDF, your basic daily footwork. You know, what's it look like? Are you spending time with him in the morning, on lunch, at some point in time of the day? Like, make it a priority to just get in his word 
and just sit there and just be in his presence, hear what he has to tell you, because that makes all the difference. That's what made all the difference for me. I think, you know, when I was younger, I used to hear people say, well, God told me this and God told me that. And I'm like, what y'all talking about? What do you mean he told you something? <laughs> what do you mean you heard a voice? <laughs> you know? And and as you get older, you start to realize, you know, hey, you may hear him audibly inside of your head, but what you're hearing is the affirmations from his word. It matches up with his word and his truth. And you can you can say, oh, yeah, God told me that. Yeah. that, that I can do that. I can make that happen. You know, I can step in this direction. So we're going to wrap this up. But, Jeff, if you would, real quick, just plug the boxing program that you've got going on. Uh, what ages is that for? What days do you do it? What classes do you have uh, for the men out there that maybe don't have an outlet physically? Because we all need it, whether it's boxing or it's karate or it's some kind of fitness or sports, hobbies, wh- whatever it is. We all need an outlet physically yeah. just to keep us going. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got going on? Uh, so classes are Monday Monday and Wednesday morning, 6 a.m., um, also on Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 p.m., and also on Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Uh, age groups, if you're mature enough and you feel like you can hang with the big boys, 11 and up, man. <laughs> Come on, you know, 11. And it doesn't matter. You know, I had a guy who was 60-something years old. He still loved to spar. Um, he couldn't dial it back, though, man. So you had to get ready to get hit, man. He had some serious dad strength. Um, <laughs> and then, like you said, 11 years old is, is as young as I'd like to take them in class. I do personals as well if they're a little bit younger than that. But there's some more things coming in the future. A um, lot of big things that I'm working on with that, um, you know, hopefully and prayerfully the goal is to be a USA boxing coach and take these kids to some tournaments, man. I'd love to be in a corner and just help them develop the skill. I've got a couple of nephews that go to your class and a niece, and also my brother-in-law that comes to your class. Yes. And I know that they've benefited from it a ton. And I was talking to my brother-in-law, and I said, so what do you enjoy most? And he said, you know, man, I just love that while the kids are getting an exercise, they're working out, they're getting better and better at fighting. They love to fight, those yeah. kids. They really oh, yeah. do, right? But he said, you constantly, he said, you're constantly plugging them with different spiritual truths and talking to them about their own walk with the Lord. Mm. And I just thought, man, that is it. To be able to be, to have a platform, a skill where you can coach, where you can guide, train, equip people, but then where you're free to be able to talk to your clientele and open up and see how they're actually doing in their life. Yeah. I mean, you're helping a young man become a man. Yes. You realize that, right? Yeah. You're, you're helping teenagers come through those difficult years where they have somebody that they can come and talk to about life or, or relationships or future marriage or jobs or decisions that they're making. So uh, you've placed yourself in that role as a spiritual father, which is, which is right. You know, it's good. It's healthy. It's, it's great. Thank you, brother. Oh, well, thank you, man. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to do it, man. Thank you for listening to the Kavod Family Podcast. Please like, share, and leave us a review. If you've enjoyed this content, or if you're familiar with some of our programs and partners in the Kavod Family Network, please consider becoming a donor at Kavod Family slash donation. God is in the process of restoring all things to himself. That begins with the person. That person is part of a family, and that family belongs to a community. Kavod Family is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry.